Welcome to the Limitless Grit Podcast, where we have conversations with social entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and ordinary people who are achieving extraordinary results. And now, here is your host, Shristi Gajarel. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to today's episode of the Limitless Grid Podcast. I am so pumped about this episode because this is with one of my role models, Miss Anuradha Koirala. So if you're from Nepal, you definitely know about her. But if you're not, you should know about her because she is someone who's actually impacting the world. Um, she's CNN hero and Padma Bhushan recipient, and her organization has saved more than 45,000 girls from human trafficking and they rescue at least four to five girls every single day. In today's episode, she talks about how she was teacher for 20 years and what made her start Mighty Nepal. She talks about starting an organization when she was a single mom and was not making that much money and what motivated her to start Mighty Nepal. Guys, her story is absolutely incredible. She defines the word courage. For me, the definition of courage is Anuradha Koirala. So I hope she inspires you as much as she has inspired me. And without further ado, Ms. Anuradha Koirala, enjoy. Anuradha Didi, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you so much for having me and thinking about me. It's an absolute honor. And ever since I started this podcast, I had a list of 100 people from around the world that I wanted to interview and you were on top of the list. I'm really honored to be in your presence. Thank you. Um, So when we hear about Mighty Nepal in Nepal, we hear that Mighty Nepal helps girls who are trafficked, but Mighty Nepal is so much more than that. And I found out about it while I was researching you and your work yesterday. But for my listeners who are in US or Europe who are not familiar with your work, if you want to give us a little background on what Mighty Nepal does. Uh, first and foremost, thank you so much, and I'm also very, very happy and delighted to be interviewed by such a young person doing such a great work. Thank you. Congratulations. And uh, about Mighty Nepal, I think when I started, I said I, uh, in 1993 when I started, I thought I would work for women who are trafficked, mm-hmm. especially children. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So till then, until then onwards, I have been working for women and children. Either they be trafficked, mm-hmm. sexually exploited, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So orphans, anything. For example, it's been only four days now. Two babies were thrown on the street. Girl, girl, child. I think one is uh, about eight, nine days because the uh, novel hasn't come out, and uh, the other one is about two months. I think both are very beautiful babies. So when they are unwanted. Uh, you know, the now when I established also, and when I am now where I am today also, people around the whole country they send the children to us, mm-hmm. especially girl child, and sometimes even we have boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So at present I have 68 boys. Wow. Yeah? But then 68 boys till five years they can stay here. After that they have a hostel across the road. Yeah, so they have to stay there, but the education. Fooding, lodging, everything is done by me because they are also children. If you talk about child rights, they are also children. So we have to see to their rights. So I'm seeing to their rights. Yeah. Then uh, and and it's their right to have proper education, proper fooding, proper lodging, proper everything. Mm-hmm. So that is why also I keep the boys in the same way as the girls I have. So then. 
The basic thing which I am known or Martin Nepal is known for is for traffic survivors. Yeah, also a traffic. We uh, not only uh, do awareness or prevention, we also do rescue, repatriation, trainings, and then reintegration into the society. We work for the whole vicious circle. Yeah, from the village to the end to the brothel in India. Our problem before used to be only with India, mm -hmm. but now our problem is all over the world, mm. especially like places like um, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and then Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, Syria, Lebanon, and our girls are taken there, and Africa like Tanzania, Nairobi. So you see, and then uh, and the problem is, why is our girls taken there? In the name now, the form and the name has been changed. Before it was directly for fresh trade. Mm -hmm. Now they are saying like, okay, you are t going for a job. So now the name has been changed into migration. <laughs> yeah, and the government also, Nepal government, or oh, there are so many manpowers. Yeah, mm -hmm. the government has given license to the manpower mm -hmm. to send people abroad. But then these women who do not even know what it is. Yeah, we have a very uh, aged woman just now who made her passport, who took her, nobody knows. Mm. But she went. She went up to Kuwait and then she was deported after one week because she's mentally ill. Yeah? And uh, we've seen that she's sexually exploited everything. She's said uh, now she's getting better, she knows. So what I'm trying to tell you is now before it was directly cross border, now it's all over the world. Yeah. Then we have in-house, in, in the country. All my friends tell me, Anuradha, you talk about all these places, you talk about uh, cross-border trafficking, you talk about international trafficking. Why don't you talk about domestic trafficking? Yeah? Mm -hmm. We have our domestic trafficking. It's just under your nose. Why don't you do something? Mm. For example, in this 10 years insurgency in the country, many, many children were displaced. So. For the safety, they came into the big cities, and again the traffickers had a new idea of starting dance restaurant, cabin restaurant, dori restaurant, and all this, mm -hmm. where children are used, children are taken, they are, you know, they have to please the client, sometimes go with the clients, and then I feel that these children who are working in these places are very very young. Only in dori they are a little bit elderly, mm -hmm. but. Uh, uh, maximum children who are working in dance and uh, cabin restaurant, they are all children below 18. Wow. Yeah, so uh, we be, then when they started this, we had a big meeting three four times with the government, with the dance and cabin restaurant people, but nobody knows who gave license to run these places. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. the the small cottage industry was blaming the municipality, municipality was blaming the CDO. And the CDO was unaware of it, and we do not know, till now nobody knows who gives the license. Wow. But it is continuing. So, what I, they are not saying it clearly that it is a place for prostitution, but we have gone through it. Mm -hmm. Recently, recently, it's only been about uh, 11 days, a child came, two children, and an elderly lady. I had two children, uh -huh. one was about 14, 15, uh -huh. the other one was 9, and the mother. Yeah? They came to report here that her child 
was lost and these this other girl who was 14 found her in a house but the story was this little girl was sexually exploited by the owner of the house with different person she had to go with different person daily and he uh, with for one person he took 2000 rupees but he gave only food and good clothes to this little girl that's what the 14 year said but immediately i told the 14 year you also work in the same place yeah mm-hmm. don't try to be smart you also work in the same place and you are only trying to you know mm-hmm. make i think you want to protect her that's yeah. it that was a nice thing i think that she wanted this little girl to come out yeah so then we found out and this was not a dance restaurant again this was not a cabin restaurant this was not a dhori restaurant it was a small mushroom farming and tea shop <laughs> yeah so so there were rooms there and the child was exploited so what i'm trying to say is so i work for all these people now i talk to you about kazakhstan syria mm-hmm. lebanon and everything you being in a in a country like america you've been hearing news you're doing all this mm-hmm. all this you're very advanced like not behind like me yeah <laughs> but uh, uh, you know that people from these places are being refugees in european countries mm-hmm. what why do our girls go there very simple Bangladeshis, Indian and Nepalis have started they have taken rooms they have taken houses and then armies are tired of war so they need relaxation so they use our girls as prostitutes there again there is no work because the people from that place is going to Europe for as a refugee and why our girls are going there is very is the same thing in India when they started this brothels in mumbai mm-hmm. and in calcutta these two are pots the biggest pots of india mm-hmm. yeah they started this because in those days many years ago mm-hmm. 100 years or 50 years 20 years of the british army yeah, yeah. 250 years yeah. or 100 mm-hmm. years they used to travel in the sea to come to india mm. and the sailors used to be tired So what do they do for entertainment? They established this brothels. They started this brothels. Exactly is happening in these places like Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, Syria, Lebanon. There is war. Yeah. So army also needs relaxation. So these are the. This is why the brothels are there. So yes. I work for prevention, rescue, uh, uh, awareness, and uh, Uh, reintegration into the society also and hiv positive also we have hospices two hospices one here in kathmandu and one uh, in kakarvita in the eastern part of nepal so you do so much and i am in my early 20s and i'm like exhausted just hearing from you like the amount of work you do how do you get your energy and how does your daily day look like what time do you get up or what do you get to i don't know what you would have done shristi because you are 20 uh if you see a child of 14 and 16 coming crying both sisters and one of the breast is broken absolutely torn and the other girl the sister younger sister also has fever 103 and this girl is obviously with a torn breast she is crying she is having fever yeah so when they come and report to me we give 16 You no know, 22 stitches yeah that was bitten by the in the cabin restaurant bitten by a guest yeah so these are the motivation to me 
that I have to fight. I have to do something. Yeah? So this keeps me going. I'm, you see me just now, I'm so fresh and everything. Yeah? But when I go to bed at 11.30, I come in the morning at 5.30, I go to bed at 11.30. I finish everything here and then I go back, back to bed at 11.30. Uh, then from 11.30, sometimes I'm absolutely like, you know, because the state is not doing anything. This is the job of the state. The state mm -hmm. is not doing. So I feel absolutely hopeless. But then again, when I think about these children, they energize me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a girl who uh, who is full blown AIDS. She was in the hospice. Then all of a sudden, she got a pain in the stomach. We she was diagnosed as cancer in the colon. Yeah, mm -hmm. but Lakshmi. Every day I spoke to her, every day. She took six, she had the operation. After operation also I spoke to her, I looked at her and I said, Hindu Patsa, you have to walk, go to the sun, go stay in the sun, be happy, be play with the children. I told her to walk and everything, yeah? And I said, look, I'm educating your daughter. She's become an air hostess. One, you will, one day you will go in the plane. I talked to her, but then she went for seven chemos. Every chemo, every, after every chemo, she was very fresh. She came to speak to me. She wanted to talk to me. And, you know, these are the things which keeps me going. Yeah? Mm. These are my motivations. The pain and the sorrow of the children. Um, Mike Nepal does so much, and I'm sure you guys have you know, a lot of financial uh, like dilemma. If my uh, listeners or anyone who's listening right now, if they want to help you guys, how can they go about it? Now, for uh, I think for, for, for me, you have to go to uh, uh, about the listeners, whoever's listening. We have our Facebook, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and I think uh, you can talk later to our director because I'm, I do not look at the finance part so much, mm -hmm. but even then, I I'm think sure there are people who really want to help. Yeah. yeah. So if they if they go to the Facebook and mm -hmm. go to our website, mm -hmm. you will find how you can support us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you can. There are many ways. But now at this moment, I am thinking of sustainability of the organization. Okay. Yeah. I'm not thinking about daily things, but I'm thinking about sustainability because I am slowly becoming old. Yeah. And there must be. This has to go on because the problem has still yeah. not finish mm -hmm. we have to still fight so there must be the sustainability so our girls are trained in different skills mm -hmm. my dream is from 1997 was a coffee shop and a bakery for the girls I wanted to see to the people why they stigmatize people with HIV why do they stigmatize girls who are trafficked because you are Nepali, I am Nepali, all the Nepalis are to be blamed mm -hmm. for one child being trafficked. Absolutely. It is our responsibility. It's not only the states, it's all the Nepalis' responsibility. Absolutely. So why should we discriminate this child and not drink coffee from her, made by her? Mm -hmm. Why should we eat the cake made by her? So I want a coffee shop for girls, mm -hmm. a bakery and a coffee shop. That would be a small part. Mm -hmm. We have a small guest house with six, seven rooms, five rooms, mm -hmm. only for our friends. Mm -hmm. I would love that guest. It is all run by our girls. Mm -hmm. So girls are very good in housekeeping. Mm -hmm. So if I have a guest house, mm -hmm. a bigger guest house, then 
I would be very happy if someone sponsored a guest house, at least say uh, 16, 17, 20 rooms, mm -hmm. then I would be very happy that uh, that all our girls will get job, mm -hmm. plus they will be owners themselves, mm -hmm. and at the same time, that they will also sustain Maithi Nepal. So I am now going into the sustainability of the organization. So I want to go back to 1993 when you started this. Yeah. And you started from two rooms and before that you were a teacher for 20 years and I have lived in Nepal for 15 years and I know teachers don't have a big salary and you're a single mom on top of that. Like, did you think that this organization would be this big or what was your mindset when you decided to open Mighty Nepal? Like, what was that point that triggered you to open the organization? I think uh, it was 1990 mm -hmm. when we had democracy in our country. Mm -hmm. This problem was existing many years ago, but nobody spoke about it. As soon as 1990 democracy we had, then people started registering NGO and talking about, first thing they talked about was trafficking. Mm -hmm. But they were talking in a five-star hotel, I used to read in the newspaper, I never attended because mm -hmm. that time I was a teacher. I read in the newspaper, they were sitting in some hotel or the other hotel, INGOs and UN agency and just registered NGOs. But uh, the problem was in the village and I said, why? Why should they talk about uh, not go to the villages, only work here? Mm -hmm. Then another thing which triggered me was, uh, I used to walk around Pashupatina mm -hmm. and I saw all female begging on the street but very strong and healthy. And I asked them, everybody had a story. Someone was HIV positive, some were... Yeah. In Pashupati? Pashupati Nath, in the morning when they begged. HIV, some were domestic violence, some were polygamy, some were like the husband died and the mother-in-law chased them away, some were traffic. So I spoke to them and I found one girl, Geeta Danwar. She was the first HIV positive child in this country, Geeta Danwar. Oh, wow. Yeah. I call her child, but she was already uh, 28, 29. She was, everybody used her, like, yeah. So, Gita, 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 this is Gita, she's HIV. Everybody and used I, I'm her. sure everyone discriminated yeah. her as well. No, no, no. Everybody used her, the organizations, you know, oh. big organizations. She is this and she could tell her story. But she had no place to sleep. She had no place to eat. So, people who were running those organizations, they said, they requested me, could I, because I used to go to their offices in uh -huh. my time and could I keep the girl yeah uh -huh. now as you said I was a single mother and a working mother and a with only with two rooms and my son and myself who was very small slept together and there was an extra bed my for my son so I gave that bed to Gita and I slept with my son who was seven seven eight seven years old and then whole night Gita would not let me sleep whole night she would tell me sorry what happened to her how she went you know she would if i fell asleep again she would uh, wake me up and say didi listen to me sunnos 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 and she would tell me her stories so these are the things which motivated me mm -hmm. uh, people talk about five in the five star and the problem is right under your nose nobody looked at so i said i must do something and then i started i said to all the women why don't you work? And they said, who will give us job? And absolutely true. You are a, you are from America, you are educated. Today, if you want a job, they will ask you for the reference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. these girls were the only begging on the street, very poor. Yeah, if you keep a servant in your house, mm -hmm. then you ask for reference. What will happen if you mm -hmm. steal, if she steals, what happens? Mm -hmm. So, reference. So I said, okay. 
I had no money. Yeah. Then I had my salary. Then I went to Asan. I bought. I asked them if I give you shops, you will you do? And they said yes. So eight women I selected, and then I gave them nanglo parcels, small mm -hmm. shops on the streets. And I said that you have to give me two rupees every day because I have to start for another one. Mm -hmm. So that is how I did. And then there was a Swiss gentleman. I don't remember. Out of the blue, he came into my way because he saw me doing all this. He heard about me, and then he gave me machines about. Uh, uh, 10, 11 machines. Then again from Pashupati area and Gujeshwari area, I bought all women and then I gave them training. I, I, uh, I took a house in rent and I gave. When I started doing, then, you know, then, then this is how I started. So it's like where there is a will, there is a way. Um, I did some research and I found out about your, you, you were born in a Gurung family, your father was in army, Indian army, and I believe he was a Cornell in Indian army. And the story that I loved about your family is that you and your sister were sent to India in a really good school, and I think your brothers were sent to a local school here, and your father never discriminated between a son and a daughter. And I grew up, and I grew up in a really conservative family, and even in my family, it's like, oh, this is guy, come home anytime. For girls, you have to be home at five or six. Like, what values or what did your dad instill in you that has helped you with Malti Nepal or that has given you this courage and this determination and this discipline that has uh, made Malti Nepal so great? I think uh, my uh, whole family, my grandfather first, mm -hmm. yeah, then my uh, father because, mm -hmm. because my grandfather was my father's father, mm -hmm. right? You agree with that? Mm -hmm. So in Nepali uh, culture, they listen to the father. Mm -hmm. So my grandfather told my father, he was in the army, Indian army as a colonel. So he said, My grandfather told my father. Yeah. And then, then my father said, okay. Then he sent us to an English boarding school, missionary school in a convent, mm -hmm. and the brothers were in a Nepali school, yeah, local school. So with that, I feel that my my grandfather, my whole family, say my mother, my mm -hmm. my mother was another very strong woman. My grandmother, who ne was never educated, my mother was educated. Mm -hmm. She did her matriculation. She did her class ten. Wow. So in those days, those days. so she was educated. Mm -hmm. So my grandmother was absolutely nil, but she also wanted us to go to a school and she said, Gora Harle Jastai, Pharaara Angrezi Bolnu Parsa, Iti Maru. Iti Naru Laje, Keta Jastai Honu Parsa, all the time she said, you have to be like a boy, not like a girl, do this, do that. So because of my family background, it was so strict, do this, do that, do that, do this. And my father being in the army, he was like, even like when we put the needle and thread, uh, he used to keep it on one side, and if he used it and keep it on the other side, you said you would know who used it, and you could find out, and he could we could get scoldings, yeah, for needle and thread also. Wow. Yeah, we grew up like that in the family, and uh, then in school, in a missionary school, convent school, then again do this, do that, don't do this, do that. All the time we were in a disciplined way. Mm -hmm. And in those days, I think discipline, uh, I I am very, I still say to everybody, and I think those who went to missionary school, they always send their children to missionary school, not only for education, because now missionary schools have really gone down. Mm -hmm. yeah? But then, but then this discipline still there. Yeah? 
it is a what is it it called what is, it's a brand yeah yeah because the discipline is still there they still have it so that is why i say uh, and now if you come here to maithi nepal anytime now the children are there uh, you so many of yeah, them are there you can yeah. there is no noise yeah, yeah they are disciplined very nice they are waiting for the result the big girls are very good so for me for me i think in my whole life nothing counts except discipline mm. because if you are disciplined then i would like and i would know that you are a good human being mm-hmm. that is all i want i don't want anybody to be engineer or doctor or an astronaut not that i want them to be a good human being that is what we were taught and that is what i am teaching here in my dinapal so discipline and focus equals focus, results yeah. How can we develop discipline? I think you have to start from your house, yeah. Just now I'm very unhappy about the young parents or the mm-hmm. elderly parents also because there's so much with yeah, iPad and all that. Mm-hmm. They don't give a single, you know, one minute to the children also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how could the child know anything about you have to know about your culture, you have to know about your language, you have to know about the discipline? how would you do just give the ipad and say and say <laughs> the child is very disciplined because he is busy with them but he is learning nothing mm-hmm. except all rubbish mm-hmm. so i think we have to you know give maximum time to children give more time cool um i want to go back to tanzania and syria when you talked about it i think in 1993 a lot of people went to india because there was open border but now it's like the world is so much smaller and you can get anywhere it's so easy to get anywhere how do you guys find out if someone is trafficked in tanzania or syria or is there a different tactic than you used in like around 2000 or 2001 we have two kind of techniques yeah one is uh, we have there is an open border between india and nepal mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. yeah there are 26 official borders when i say official borders there is customs there is immigration there is police yeah mm-hmm. in this 26 mm-hmm. but then near the 26 there are so many unofficials yeah everybody goes so i didn't ask anybody i the girls wanted job and as i told you my wish to mm-hmm. have a bakery and cafe i didn't have money then i said I, this girls wanted job so i said okay i will start i will put this girls as border guards mm-hmm. in every border so now we are in 15 borders and of every border five girls are working yeah they all traffic so they are better than the government never asked me why you kept mm-hmm. nobody asked me in those days i'm talking about 20 mm-hmm. years before mm-hmm. nobody asked me i put them the police better than the police are girls are better than the police because they have gone through mm-hmm. they know who is a trafficker who is going to be trafficked so that is one of the things we are doing the other thing is now the trend has changed as uh, for my migration we stay at the passport section yeah we stay at the airport at the uh, passport section our girls counsel them when the small children come now here the whole thing is i think very very sad and we have spoken about this many times to the state mm-hmm. i have called the state here invited the state here and i spoke to them they have come on their own wish to see the girls who are trafficked yeah mm-hmm. who are who are going for migration to see 
not to solve to see how they look like yeah so uh, these girls now and let me talk about uh, cross border is very simple our girls intercept them at the border even for foreign employment they are also intercepted now we have office in india we also solve that problem mm -hmm. we rescue girls from different parts but the way is the same the border mm -hmm. so they go by there is a direct bus from here to india yeah so from direct bus they go and they are all elderly ladies how could you stop them mm -hmm. the citizenship says when you i look at you i feel that you are 25 or 21 or 22 but then your citizenship it is written you are 38 yeah in your citizenship it is written 38 in your passport it is written 38 so how who am i to stop when she is a major mm -hmm. yeah then i am asked question by the state again yeah that must be then yeah. then we stop then we stop yeah Uh, we stop when we think we have everywhere at Thankot. If you go, also our girls are working, and our girls stop them, and then we have found children. Lakpa is one, mm -hmm. but so many children from Raswa, from Sindhu culture, from North Nagpur, even from Bhojpur, Diktel, Taplejung, we have found girls, and their citizenship. It is I ask them. we did oxification test and we found out the child was only 14 years old and she was given a passport of 20 year 28 years old now who is to be blamed then i called a meeting again with the state then the minister himself came the home minister actually he didn't come to solve any problem he came to see how the children look like who go to mm -hmm. middle east who go to that time it was only middle east mm -hmm. how they look like then he bought many studios then i i'm very vocal mm -hmm. that is why i'm surviving in this country till today <laughs> yeah and i told them i said uh, listen uh, i put all the passport and i said see she is only 14 she is only 16 she is only 17 but the passport says she is 28 38 27 how mm -hmm. and the studio immediately answered i i said And it, and it is signed by CDOs. So who is to be blamed? Mm -hmm. The CDO and the state is to be blamed. Because and then the CDO says no. The VDC secretary said recommended that she is 28. That is why we gave the the father and the mother came. So we gave the sinship. The father and, and the mother. And, so I said okay. The father and mother did come. I agree. But you don't sign like this. you look at the face yeah. and you are the state you have the right to ask question to them ille barsa pugeko chaina ma dinna i will not give yeah. she is not reached the age age i will not give her the mm -hmm. sinship you have the right because i was questioned mm -hmm. at the airport at the immigration they said tapai la ta koirala jasto dekhdaina kasari koirala lekhnu bha when everybody knows that a woman after marrying mm -hmm. writes the husband's name very few people don't write i didn't write also for a long time but i lost my citizenship then i was i am a guru mm -hmm. obviously then i told them tabela thai sir mo ta guru kai chori ho 
I am a daughter of a guru, mm-hmm. but married to a Koirala. That's why I wrote Koirala. So for me, like an old person like me, I'm asked questions like that in immigration. Why can't they ask, the CDOs ask questions to this father Absolutely. and to, they can, they have the authority not to give. Absolutely. And then the minister said, now from onwards, we will not do. But it is continuing till today. It's like you can't do your job well if the state doesn't collaborate. Until and unless. Yeah. It is all in the state's hand. Absolutely. How many girls on average do you guys save or rescue every day? On uh, uh, every border we rescue four to five girls every day. Four to five girls. Yeah. So it's like... I will give you the uh, fact sheet. Wow. So it's like thousands every year. Yes. How many girls have you rescued or saved in total since 1990? 45,000. 45,000. And everything, like you are rescuing them, you are rehabilitation. Not only not only rehabilitation, we do the legal case. We are the only in the country who are fighting for legal case against this. We never leave a single child without doing the legal case. Yeah. And so far we have sentenced 1,700 criminals into the jail. And one is also for 90 years, but uh, because he married six girls and he sold all six. So he was sentenced for 90, but he died in two months because he was HIV positive and full-blown AIDS. So he died in the jail. Now the longest who is serving is 35 years. Yeah. So we have done. I think we are the only one in the country who has sentenced so many. We have only two lawyers, but then they are working so hard and so nicely. And then uh, just day before yesterday, we have arrested a, a woman who was trafficking uh, children. And she says, uh, they showed me the, the team who went to raid. We sometimes wait for police, sometimes we don't wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Because it is illegal what we are doing. Yeah? What we are doing for the benefit of the children and the women and for the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that everybody should understand. Mm-hmm. They always say that Anuradha sometimes was too fast yeah so we went and they have done the small video my staff mm-hmm. with the mobile that lady i don't know but then these girls were saying who went to uh, catch the criminal mm-hmm. they were saying we were very scared because she said they said that i'm friend of anuradha and then i looked at the girl and then i said i've never seen her they showed me the uh, in the film I said, I've never seen her. I said, bring her here, I'll give her one slap and then she will understand. And then when I say this, I think your people who are listening will say, Anuradha is violating the human rights. But it is not violating the human rights. Yeah? She's lying yeah? to their face. Uh, if a person, I have asked people many times questions yeah. who talk about human rights. Uh-huh. I said, if someone, while you're walking, or you are in a uh, public bus, takes your purse, and then you find out that that person has taken your purse, what do you do? And then they simply answer the human, so-called human rights <laughs> people, we will box them. Yeah? If you can box that people, then this man or this woman has taken a child unknowingly and sold her and made her a prostitute when she was a child. And she has lost her childhood, she has lost her maidenhood, she's lost everything. So hitting one slap or hitting two slaps or giving him three slaps is not uh, violating someone's right, I think. There is law, I know. But the anger which I have is very big. 
What advice would you give to a 1990 Anuradha Koirala who is just starting out, who is scared, who doesn't know what she's doing? What advice would you give to her? Uh, for me, I think it would be for I would advise Anuradha, and I have always in that age I advise that you take to your mission, be strong. Now look ahead for a journey where you will establish yourself. How can one become like you? I'm just listening to you and you're so, you have this authority and you're so strong. Is that something you're born with or is that something you have developed over time? I was born with it. When I was a child, I was in school, when I was at home. I was never taken as a girl. I was always taken as a boy, yeah? Because, again, difference. Now I, I'm learning, yeah? Why? I don't know why. When you're strong, you say you're When you're weak, then I don't know why they say, why can't girls become strong? Mm -hmm. So, my father always said, my, When I married, this is the first time I'm saying in the media, when I married a Koirala, my father wrote us only one line, only one line. I have the letter till with me and he wrote, I took you as my son, today you have betrayed me. He never liked it. He always thought that I should do something. But I am so, I have, I have listened to him. I think you would have been very proud if he was alive today. But Did he survive um, a long time to see you start Mighty Nepal? No, 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 no. That is the saddest part. Mm. I mean, I lost my parents too, but I think my goal in life is to do so much good that I, I mean, make their name live forever even after they're dead. For me also, it's the same thing, yeah? And I think he'll be really so, proud. Yeah. So I have the letter still with me. I just want to ask a few more questions. Um, any books you would like to recommend? Yes, uh, Sold by Patricia, mm -hmm. and the other one is Radhika's Story. Radhika's Story. You have to read it, everybody has to read it, mm -hmm. and then you will find the purpose for living. Sure. Okay? Um, I also want to ask one more question. If people want to find you on social media, where can they find you? <laughs> I think just Google me, eh? yeah. otherwise I don't use Facebook, I don't have Twitter, I don't have anything. So uh, Google and uh, Facebook, uh, I think and that, those are the places I think. And they can go to and message Mighty Nepal in Facebook to, yes, yes. if they yes, want to donate yes. or be part of it. I'll put everything on my show notes. I know you have a meeting, so I just want to ask you one last question. What is your definition of courage? I think courage is Anuradha Koirala, but what is Anuradha Koirala's definition of courage? For me, uh, courage means you have to, you have, it is not that, uh, it is not that someone plants on you. It has to come out from you. It has to come out from you and you have to, straightforwardness is the courage. And you know what the problem with guys is that they are looking for purpose. They are like, I want to find my purpose in life and they are so lost. And I feel like you found your purpose accidentally. Would you give any advice for someone if they want to find their purpose or find what they are meant to do in their life? I think uh, 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 you are born with a purpose. For To find a purpose, I think you have to... Uh, I think for us, I think it is... The best is education. Mm. Then if you are educated and be very serious with your, uh, your subject, mm. then you will find the purpose.
And then I think the last thing which I could uh, tell you and request you, if I could say it, sure. is uh, I think uh, I'm happy that you are here, Srishti. And through you, I would like all people around the globe, around the globe, to join hands to fight this crime, which is a shame to humanity. Mm -hmm. It is a heinous crime, which is a shame to humanity. So let's join hands and fight this crime and make this world a better place for girls and women. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, you guys, thank you for tuning in. If this podcast has added value in your life in any way, shape, or form, then please, please, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a comment, and shoot me an email if you have any questions, and I will talk to you guys next week.